0: This is the Sound on Sound
1: podcast. Welcome to the SOS podcast brought to you by the makers of Sound on Sound. I'm joined by Paul White, editor-in-chief. Hello. And Hugh Johns, technical editor. Hello. This month's podcast is a little
2: different from our normal format because we're coming to you live from the AES show in San Francisco. And we'll be bringing you interviews from a load of industry insiders as well as getting some insight into some of the new products
3: released at the show. We're also recording videos, and you can find these at the news pages of the SOS website. Just head to soundonsound.com news.
1: Back to the show, an industry legend, Rupert Neve, has joined forces with SE Electronics to develop a range of high-end microphones, the first of which is going to be an active ribbon. Paul got the chance to chat to SE's Suezoo and Rupert about the collaboration. Here's how he got on.
3: So what have you done on the solid-state, Mike, that's a little different to, uh, to the usual?
4: We've followed the same procedures as we've done on the 5088 mixer. We found that uh, humans can actually perceive uh, high frequencies well above normal audibility. Yeah. And if, the, if those uh, artefacts are not preserved then the quality suffers. Also, if we find that there's distortion due to the amplifier, the same thing happens. It goes negative, it doesn't sound so good. So we've used totally class A, single-sided and discrete components, and that has made the 5088 quite outstanding in terms of quality, and this now completes the chain. So the microphone follows the same kind of design as the uh, 5088 mixer. So we have right from the origin of the sound right through to the output of the mixer, same quality. So I know
3: you're a big fan of audio transformers, so is is this microphone a transformer output?
4: Transformer output and transformer input. It's
3: an interesting concept. So how does the transformer
4: input side of it all work? Well, a ribbon has a very, very small impedance, about 0.2 of an ohm, and we have to step that up with a transformer of sufficient quality that it doesn't lose anything, then goes into the inverting input of a of the kind of amplifier I'm talking about. It's only two stages; it's very simple. And then we have an output transformer, which is almost identical with the transformers that we used 40 years ago. Smaller in size, but uh, doing the same job.
3: So it sounds as though it's a very high quality microphone. So. I'm assuming it's going to be priced to aim at the professionals. It's not a hobbyist's microphone in any way.
1: Oh, that's a high-end. Definitely, it's a high-end market. Yeah. When we are testing that ribbon microphone in the big studio, the sound is very, very good. And I compete with a lot of, lot of very high-end ribbon microphone.
3: And uh, I will say this. And, uh, well, thank you very much for that. And uh, good luck with the, with the valve design when you get onto to it. Right, thank you yes, very much. It's <laughs> <much. Right. laughs> always a pleasure
0: to talk to you. Thank, thank you. you. thank you. This is the Sound on Sound podcast.
3: Focusrite have a new audio interface, the Sapphire Pro 40. Chris went to check it out.
1: I'm here with designer Rob Jenkins. Rob, we're on to the uh, Sapphire Pro 40 now, your latest interface. What's new about it and what's old about it? What, how much Focusrite Heritage have you got in there?
5: Well, the interesting thing about this um, Pro 40 is that Mipres um, are from the original topology of the Green Range, which was the first non-transformer-based design that we did after the Red Range. So the, the lineage of that Mipre goes back to the early 90s, mid-90s. What we've been doing with, with that MyPri really is making a great interface into an A to D wide bandwidth, low noise, good dynamic range, low distortion on the front end of the firmware interface. We've got 20 inputs, 20 outputs. Um, On the input side you have uh, 8 mic 3s, Uh, they can also be line inputs. You've got uh, another 8 inputs on the the ADAT, but also there's an additional two inputs uh, in the GUI where you can use it to... uh, to loop back into the door as an additional pair of uh, recording inputs so if you're if you're running a live session you've got a, a live mix going on here you can actually record your entire um, submix uh, within the gui so you have eight line outputs um, separate monitor outputs which are controlled with the monitor pot here right and then eight optical outputs so and then the final um, two ins and outs are on the spidif. how
1: much is it going to cost then
5: in the US it'll be uh, £499, uh, the UK £349, and available in October. Excellent.
0: This is the Sound on Sound podcast.
2: SSL have launched a new plugin for Duende and is aimed at vocalists, so Paul had a talk to Jim Motley from SSL to find out more about it.
6: So we have a new plugin here at the show that's called Vocal Strip, and this is designed to be a very quick, very easy to use, but high quality single channel processor for vocals. We have a voice-specific EQ in there with shelving, nice high-frequency air bell and a parametric in the mid for doing notching. We also have a Compander, which is a compressor and expander, with some of the algorithms taken from the X-Comp plug on Duende. We also have drive control on that that gives you very full-sounding, slightly rich vocals if you want to give it some welly more than anything else. The two other modules that we have in here are entirely new processing that have been developed by those clever chaps at SSL Towers. And we have a phase linear deesser, which pretty much does what it says on the tin. You find the frequency and the threshold, and it will pull it out. But the deploser actually takes out some of those more annoying parts in the audio path that literally ruin a take. It's going to be shipping from our web store available next week. It takes up a single processing slot on Duende, just as the others do. And now makes the range six available plugins for the platform, which is something else that will be growing for the future. This
0: is the Sound on Sound podcast.
3: One of the major announcements at the show was Pro Tools 8. I asked Phil Jackson to give us a whistle stop tour of the new features.
7: Version 8 Pro Tools is uh, an incredible update. That we're going to release in about two months towards the end of the year it features a completely new uh, redesigned ui and we've also included 10 insert slots because pro tools now ships with over 20 of our brilliant air plugins that come from our instruments they're all available to process your tracks the edit window again some major redefinement completely customizable toolbar you can tell the toolbar exactly what it is you want to see we also have a new dual edit mode you can now be in grid and slip at the same time so that you can select in grid mode and then move things in slip mode you can also be in grid shuffle or slip shuffle mode so very powerful too tracks can now uh, be configured to show multiple tracks of controller data so for example each track now has a little triangle that can drop down so you can view your actual waveform below it you can view your volume, your pan, and uh, have immediate access to simply just trim your volume and your pan data. We have a a nice universe that's uh, now part of the uh, edit window itself. It's not a separate window, so again, making it easy for you to scroll around a very large session. The edit window itself now has a split MIDI editor, a dedicated split uh, MIDI editor that can be viewed either in notation view, that's our notation engine from Sibelius, Or you can view it just as a regular piano editor and again it has its own track list so you can choose exactly which tracks you want to view and edit when it comes to plugins we've included a complete set of compositional tools for you also so now when you buy your pro tools 8 upgrade you're going to get some brand new instruments the the first one you're going to get is midi grand this is a an acoustic grand piano with a very simple interface just allows you to select different types of acoustic pianos another great one is boom so if you've ever liked programming old drum machines like 909s and 808s, Boom is going to come with over 100 drum kits. Each kit has got 10 instruments. You can reconfigure the sounds. You can have an 808 kick with a 909 snare and a different type of hi-hat. Expand well that's been completely redefined expand before had 1500 patches so it was a great go-to synth for composing we've now doubled the content 3000 patches and each of the four parts can now be multi timbral at our users request four channels we also include vacuum which is a monophonic synthesizer great for lead sounds and bass sounds it is a vacuum tube synthesizer the oscillators nice instead of switching between your waves you can now sort of smoothly potentiometer between triangle saw pulse width modulation there is vacuum drive on each of the filters dedicated high pass low pass there's tube shaping right there on the master output two envelopes your lfo's right there built-in arpeggiator wow and tremolo and vibrato we've also thrown in there db33 which is your tone wheel hammond b3 and an incredible modeled Leslie, which you can even put your guitar and external input through that Leslie, and of course all of the controls for the drive, the character of the organ, high cut, and all of your microphone and Leslie controls. By default now, LE is 48 tracks, so we've bumped that up, so more tracks and more instruments by default. You could buy the music creation kit, bump that up to 64 audio tracks, and we also have... um, A complete creation toolkit, um, which will bump LE up to 128 audio tracks plus 64 instrument tracks and some surround tracks. So really, if you look at the entire package, you're not only getting the world's most powerful digital audio workstation, but the world's most powerful mini audio workstation too. With an incredible collection of instruments and plugins, you're going to love Pro Tools 8. This is the
2: Sound on Sound. The Soundfield microphone is something that most of us aspire to, but it's a very expensive microphone because of the complexity of the design. Soundfield have now introduced the new SPS200, which is a much lower cost model, but you don't lose any of the quality, and Paul went along to have a closer look.
8: So how did you do it? Well, there was a lot of uh, demand for something at a lower price, but we didn't really want to lower the quality, so the obvious choice was to uh, remove the control unit. So it's the first Soundfield without a control unit. So it breaks out to four normal XLRs like any microphone would. Uh, you use four mic prees of choice. We also offer as an option uh, a dedicated mic pre with a single gain control. But as long as you set the four gains of your four mic pre's exactly the same, go straight into Pro Tools or Nuendo or any of those other platforms, then everything takes care in... Uh, is taken care of in software by a plugin. So it kind of reduces the cost but keeps the quality high.
3: So at the moment, the plugin formats supported are what?
8: Well, we have TDM for Pro Tools and then VST for all the other uh, platforms at this moment in time.
3: So audio units is still under de-
8: development? Yes, we are working on that at the moment, yeah. Uh, We call the SPS200 a software control microphone because there's an awful lot you can do in software. So you can change polar patterns, you can change stereo widths, you can choose delivery formats, whether you want mono, whether you want stereo, whether you want uh, 5.1. And you can all do this from within the environment people are used to working in, whether it's Pro Tools, whether it's uh, another uh, VSD-based platform or so on. So it's very, very uh, flexible that way. We really designed it for two main applications. The first one is for, for studio work where Anything you want to record with a bit more ambience and a bit more feel for the room uh, rather than just spot micing, it's great for that whether it's drums, acoustic guitars, anything like that. The second application is very much for people who do recording maybe live uh, in you know, orchestras, choirs, uh, maybe acoustic bands and stuff like that. You know, And they maybe have a Firewire interface with four mic prees, go straight into their laptop and they have a very, very powerful platform at a fraction of what it used to cost. Well, the UK list price is uh, £1,475 and for that you get... The microphone, a clip, a five-metre lead, a beautiful little carry case, and the post-production software. This is the
0: Sound on Sound podcast.
1: Next up, we paid a visit to Cakewalk, who was showing off their new VS700 system, designed in collaboration with Roland. Here's Brandon Ryan to tell us a bit more.
9: It really is basically a a few pieces. uh, Two hardware, and the rest is software. Uh, There's the VS700C console, 700R rack, which uh, has all the ins and outs, and also uh, Phantom VS, uh, we call it synthesizer, uh, Phantom Class Synth, hardware synth, and also a slot for ARX uh, expansion boards, the Supernatural technology from Roland. And then, uh, of course, there's the software package, which includes Sonar 8, it uh, also has a uh, full version of Rapture, and then Sonor Eight also comes with Dimension Pro and Zeta and all the other synths. So it's really uh, the best of what Cakewalk and Roland has to offer all in one box, all works seamlessly together under uh, XP or Vista 62, 64-bit and 32-bit machines. One of the nice things is that everything is pretty much either one button or just a uh, command away. And I get full feedback right here on the display. If I wanted to EQ something, uh, per, uh, perchance, I could just uh, go into EQ mode. If I want to see the EQ, it pops up right there. I can just turn on a band. and So it's just really, really uh, quick and easy to get to all these controls. You know, automating something is as simple as just turning on the automation, turning it down, hitting play, and just writing your automation you're seeing it right there obviously I can do multiple faders at a time so it's just very uh, very hands on very easy the I.O. sounds fantastic it's 192k 24 bit you can have two of them uh, for I think 37 in 48 out and uh, it's a great integration between hardware and software and this isn't shipping until January but right now the estimated street price is going to be around uh, $3,995 uh, including all the hardware and of course all of the software as well this
0: is the Sound on Sound podcast.
1: Of course, we don't have time to cover everything with an audio recorder, so we'll just have a chat about other things that we saw at the show. Paul, what caught your eye?
3: Well, Omnisphere from Spectrasonics was uh, a big draw, I think, because uh, there's been a lot of hype about it, and I think it's lived up to it. There was some seriously weird stuff on there, and it's just brilliantly deep or uh, instant to use, depending on how you want to use it. You can approach it to any level. I've got one to take home, and um, we've also got someone reviewing one right now.
1: This is the thing that's been made using kind of samples of burning pianos at different stages of burningness.
3: So <laughs> it's, it's got all kinds of things. It's also got some whale sounds in there, or, or, or the sounds of uh, you know female choirs.
1: So who's this going to be
3: aimed at? Anyone who likes weird synthesis, I think. But at the same time, it's so flexible, it, it, it can do all the standard stuff as well. It's just really comprehensive. Well, I was wandering around the
2: show, and I came across this thing that was called a rotary woofer, and I thought it was some kind of upgrade for my Leslie, so I had a closer look at it. it turned out to be an enormous fan, where the blades on the fan have adjustable pitch, controlled by a, like a moving coil speaker hidden behind it, and it ends up as a subwoofer that will go down all the way to DC, down to below 1 hertz, with amazing efficiency, far more than any other kind of sub. Most subwoofers give up at about 10 hertz, um, but this thing is just
3: phenomenal. The so downside, could, of course, is it could slice your legs off if you get too close. Yeah, you
2: don't want to get too close to it. The, the thing spins around at about 800 RPM, uh, and then these blades twist as, as it goes round to produce pulses of low-frequency sound, essentially. So they effectively modulate the airflow. They do, and and seriously, too. I mean, in a, in a, in a room with a door slightly ajar, it'll pull the door in and out. It creates those kind of pressure waves. So if you really want to experience what a, an explosion feels like at home, this is the tool you need to do it. Either that or just leave the gas on. The really, Yeah, you could do that too. The really <laughs> scary thing, though, is that with something like this, you're going to hear low-frequency stuff that your microphones pick up that nobody else is going to listen to or be aware of even. Um, and, and a lot of people don't know what kind of infrasonic sound is going on in their recordings. This will show it to you. It could be great in cinemas, though, for earthquakes. Yeah, home cinemas, it's it's quite popular. It's, it's, it's an American invention. It's made by a company called uh, Eminent Technology. Um, so th- there are some over here already. But it's, it's an interesting thing.
1: So why can't a moving coil speaker pr- produce the same result? It's just not
2: big enough that they can't move that volume of air. That's the basic problem. You just They'd have to be so big and so enormous, you wouldn't be able to get in the room with the thing. This moves the air with a completely different
3: technology. It's very clever. SPL have finally um, decided to put some of their hardware technology into plug-in form. Previously, they have been rather worried to do this because um, of piracy and copyright issues. But they've decided that they can go ahead and protect it with an eye lock. So, a couple of the plugins, starting with the Transient Designer, are already available, and we're hoping a few more will follow.
0: This is the Sound on
2: Sound podcast. As well as all the products being displayed on the main show floor, a lot of manufacturers took demonstration rooms outside where you can get more space and, and a bit of a quieter listening environment. And uh, one of the rooms I went into, uh, PMC, were demonstrating a full range of their speakers. And they were also showing the speaker they designed with DigiDesign, the RM2. I reviewed them for the magazine a while back, but I only had a stereo pair. And I was really keen to see what they were like in surround. Well, they had a complete 5.1 setup in this demo room with RM2s. That was a very impressive system. I I was well taken with that. One of the other rooms I went into was ATC speakers, who always have a very good demonstration. They spend a lot of time and effort to treat the acoustics in the room, which are notoriously bad in these kind of conferences. They go to a lot of effort to sort that out. Um, And I was a bit surprised when I got in there and started listening to some stuff that there were several very well-known mastering engineers in there. Doug Sachs was there when I was in, um, and quite a few others came and went during the time I was there. And I was talking to Bill Schnee, who's another very well-known recording engineer from uh, the States, and um, they're trying to set up and promote some very interesting ideas to do with setting up a very high-quality listening format for the kind of audiophile
10: at home. And we managed to grab hold of him and have a few words. Those of us that have spent a lot of time, in my case, four decades behind a console, doing my best to make great sound... Uh, and all my compadres that have been doing the same are just sick over the fact that we now have for the last, you know, went from the LP, which sounded pretty darn good in retrospect, to the CD, which didn't sound so good. And then to the last 15 years, this insane, overly compressed CD that, you know, is it's just, and now to MP3s, it's just a joke, that, you know. You, you do everything you can and get, get a mix and, and get a, a CD together, and, a, an album together, and put it on CD, and, you know, the artist and, or producer insists that it be compressed through the roof, and... And then from there, it goes downhill to MP3. It's disheartening. Right. And What Doug uh, came up with as a concept, which is what we're really trying to do, is get a hi-fi format for the world. We're going in the wrong direction, folks, when everything else is getting better. You know, we're giving the listener a, a fraction of what what we produce when we make a record and of course jazz and classical is where it'll probably have to start, where it should start because those are by and large unlike the rock people, those are the people that are a little more quality conscious and you know, would like to ha- hear the stuff in, in a better quality. So what you're proposing is, is 24-bit 192 Yes, as the, as the high fidelity format Yes, I just think that since we've got 192 and, and all types of storage and so on is getting cheaper and cheaper there really is no reason not to go all the way we do have a friend at uh, Blu-ray that uh, loves the idea, and that makes the most sense to me, because Blu-ray, which has already won the uh, award for high-definition video, why shouldn't it be high-definition audio? It's very simple, 24-192. Uh, dare I say, ultimately, everybody, sooner or later, will be buying a Blu-ray player, if they, you know, as they get high-definition television, and they want their their videos to match what they get, you know, off the satellite, or off the cable, or off the air, for that matter, any, you know, the... They're going to want that. So they're going to sell. There's just no question about it. We'll see what we can get going. We just need, you know, enough people to get behind us. That's the agenda. Let's just try to give the public what they deserve.
2: Just as a last question, what can people who are going with what you say and and believe in high-quality audio and want high-quality audio, what can they do to make this happen?
10: The people that read your magazine, you know, know, the average person, probably nothing. But more of us that are professional in one Mm -hmm. matter or another look towards this and talk about this and talk about the need for it and so on uh it can only help uh, other than that I, I i really don't know okay well
2: let's hope it works out yeah yeah. Good luck. yeah
0: thank you Bill. this is the sound on sound podcast well that's about it for the sos
2: podcast recorded live here in the san francisco aes show don't forget you can see the videos we've recorded here by visiting the news pages on the sos website also, don't miss out on the November issue of Sound on Sound, which features reviews of Universal Audio's new UAD2 DSP system, DigiDesign's transfuser groove instrument, and Steinberg's latest audio interfaces. There's also an interview with Coldplay's mix engineer, Michael Brower, and a look
3: inside the studio of Adrian Adley following the release of Porter's third album. Join us next time when we'll be back in the UK giving you more tips and tricks, answering your questions and highlighting some of the features of the latest issue of Sound on Sound. See you then.